Welcome to Al Bernstein Unplugged Unboxing. In a 40-year Hall of Fame career, Al has chronicled some of the greatest moments in boxing history. On this podcast, you get to hear him expand on those memories and talk about the current news in the sport of boxing. You also hear Al interview some of the biggest names in the sport. Here's Al Bernstein Unplugged. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. So happy you joined us. On this episode, we're going to be talking with Amanda Serrano, who, of course, is not only a great uh, women's boxing champion, but also a delightful and engaging person. And I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. And among the things we discuss are the efforts that she and Katie Taylor made to fight. That was a failed effort. Uh, It didn't come off, though she's certainly hoping to do it in the future. And Amanda Serrano tells her view of what happened in terms of that fight not being made. There's, a little, you know, people have had some controversy surrounding that, and uh, she has a chance to tell her side of it, and she does in great detail. Uh, and we also talk about a lot of other things uh, as well uh, about her role in the sport of boxing. Uh, in addition to that, of course, we're going to answer your questions, and to help me do that, let me bring in my partner in crime here, my co-host, Mr. Trip Mitchell. Trip, how you doing? I'm doing great, Al. And uh, we do every week we do a TV show and a podcast video cast on YouTube. And before I get to what we need to promote, in the TV show, we were talking today about the fact that boxing is a 12-month-a-year sport. Does that make it tougher as an announcer? Do you feel like you're always in it, or does it make it easier that you don't have a big break? It's a good question. You know. Uh, I decided uh, very early in my career that because boxing had no off-season, people got no vacation from you, <laughs> you know, it, which is really, it sounds silly, but it's true. They, If they like the sport, they're going to see you over the course of a whole year. So hopefully your style and what you do will wear well enough with them. Uh, and whether rightfully or wrongfully, I actually took that into account in terms of how I kind of approached doing the sport. Um, And some would tell you that uh, that was a good thing and others will tell you it's not. But I I felt like I needed to make sure that uh, the things I was doing were not the kind of things that would uh, over time uh, wear on people the wrong way. So uh, I actually, and I think the, you don't get an off time although sometimes there are breaks. Uh, But I think that's better, actually, because you don't have to come back from long breaks. And as a broadcaster, I think that helps you. So when you were doing basketball and stuff from ES for ESPN, did you find that really a burden to do the boxing and the basketball doing play-by-play? Well, I loved doing the basketball, and I did a lot of big Sky Conference games. And so, you know, part of the, the problem was I was doing the boxing usually on Thursday nights, and then I'd sometimes I'd fly right to one of the places where I was doing basketball. And that conference, of course – you know, you're going into often in the winter places that you can barely get to in the first place. And, (laughs) you know, there's snow and there's travel complications. So that part was a little bit tricky. And then, of course, the fact that you had to come right from doing the boxing and uh, you had a short week uh, in terms of getting ready to go back out on the road and do another boxing show. Uh, But I, I, God knows I wouldn't complain about it because it was a lot of fun and it was a great, you know, it was a great time. I really, I really enjoyed doing it. 
Well, fantastic. We'll get to uh, uh, the questions. But first, we want to mention the fact that we do a TV show on some amazing networks. Thanks to Kelly Kantz, your manager, AD, for setting all this up. And we're on some really great TV networks. We are. For folks that want to watch our TV version, which is slightly different than our than our podcast, uh, you know, we're on a, a number of networks in the United States, Canada, and the Caribbean, including uh, Fight Network, which is on in Canada and the United States, YouTube America, AMG Network, uh, and among others. And uh, we, you know, it's it's intriguing because it, it's a it's an interesting collection of distribution platforms that we're on, and it gives us a chance to kind of reach across America and. Uh, and up, as they say, up into Canada and the Caribbean. So check your local listings, uh, find out when the show is on and uh, check it out. And we hope you'll tune in. Are you ever going to wear a tie on the TV show? You know, that is a good, that's a very valid question. I, you know, I've probably been on TV tieless on that show longer than any time I've ever done television. So that is a good question. Do we want me to wear a tie? <laughs> uh, no. But you know, we, we we do need to do a wardrobe change between the TV show and the podcast. Just for- yeah, maybe I don't know. I'll ask. Maybe we'll put that as a uh, a poll question to our viewers. Do you want? Do you do you need me to wear a tie on the uh, television show? <laughs> just as a quick adjunct, we we were doing arena football in Vegas. ESPN two came in and was doing the same game, and uh, uh, a number of their announcers were so happy because on ESPN two, you guys didn't have to wear ties. Right, that was their big thing at the time. Think about that now. You know how quaint that is. Uh, when we did ESPN shows and we did our boxing on ESPN two a couple times, the big thing was that was going to be the 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 hip network where nobody wore ties. You know, so <laughs> and so you, you you didn't wear a tie on that network. <laughs> okay. Now well, we think about it, it's, it's silly, but you know that was the way it was back then. Okay, uh, Tylus Al will answer this question from Blarg Jargon. Glad the Angelo Leo Stephen Fulton fight is back on. What do you think of that fight? Excellent fight. That's going to be on January 23rd. It's for the WBO Junior Featherweight uh, Championship that now a- Angelo Leo has because he beat Tremaine Williams for that title. He was supposed to fight Stephen Fulton Jr. Uh, months and months ago. Uh, and it was going to be the first show out of the box coming back from when we were off uh, due to the pandemic. And uh, Stephen Fulton got COVID, so he could not fight. And now that match has been made. Everybody who's who knows boxing knows that this is a 50-50 fight, which is likely to be a barn burner. Uh, they're both undefeated. And Fulton has beaten seven fighters who themselves previously had undefeated records. And Angela Leo has become one of the best body punchers in the whole sport of boxing. And Stephen Fulton Jr., a very slick boxer, terrific counterpuncher. Their styles mesh up perfectly, in my opinion. And I think that everything about that fight screams out uh, that it will be a, a an action affair and a, a terrific matchup. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Our next question comes from Sun Cam. Some came up. Excuse me. The English is tough for me today. Triple G Canelo three has it hit its expiration date? Every day I read different reports. Yeah, that fight. The I guess the question you have to ask yourself in terms of that question is, 
or the way you have to look at it is, has it hit its expiration date, A, in terms of the commerce of the fight, making it and making the fight happen in terms of business? And secondly, has it hit its expiration date in terms of whether fans want it? Now, the first one is in question because I don't know if they can make it now. The first fight was back in uh, September of 2017. The, the next one was in May of 2018. And a lot of time has expired in between and much has happened. And uh, Canelo's up, up in a weight division above where Golovkin is. And so there are a lot of issues about that. Do fans still want to see that fight? I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, they do want to see a third uh, episode. The first two fights were wildly exciting and razor thin in terms of their uh, their outcome. Everybody, you know, has an opinion and debates the outcome of those two fights. And so fans want to see it. Now, the other issue is Golovkin's age. He's 38 years old. And the question is, how much longer, if this fight gets delayed, is it viable because of his age? Uh, not too much longer, I don't think. So um, to me, it's a 50-50 chance that we're going to see that third fight. Uh, and I think it needs almost to be the next fight they have. Okay. And one more question here. And then let's see. This is from Craig. Would you pay to see Khan versus Brooke? Or is it too far past its expiration date? Yeah, that that's an interesting one. You know, I, to be honest, I think way too much water has gone under the bridge. Uh, both of those men have, you know, have declined in terms of their uh, their overall skill. That fight four or five years ago, or even before that, was a huge fight in England and elsewhere. But I think uh, too much time has passed, and so that one I would say is past its expiration date. Um, we uh have a lovely guest on for this week's show. She's a terrific uh, boxer and uh, just as good a person. Uh, here's my chat with boxing champion Amanda Serrano. Amanda, you uh, started boxing at about age 17, I believe, and uh, your sister, Cindy, had already been a world-class boxer. How much of an influence was her uh, involvement in the sport uh, a part of you wanting to get into it? I mean, she's a big influence. If it wasn't for her and Jordan, my trainer, I would have never been introduced to the sport of boxing. Knew nothing of it until she started. And um, like I've always said, my first job was at the gym. And I just watched her and her success and her growth in the sport. It really pushed me towards that that way to like just to try I mean I knew it was hard I didn't want to try it at first and then I said you know what after I graduated school I graduated early I said what am I going to do now <laughs> I wasn't a I wasn't a school person so I said I'm not going to go to college so I said let me try it and then I fell in love with the sport and there was no turning back now when you started it was did you have it in your mind that I wanted to make a living at this or was it first I wanted to do boxing to see if I like it or did you so real early in the process say this could be something that I could I could do as a profession not at all I just did it I guess to have something in common with because I was always in the gym in the gym so I wanted to have something in common with Cindy and Jordan since I was always there I said let me let me try it but not at all did I even dreamt about 
having the success that I have now, it's it's funny because I just he just do well. I just threw myself in there for just I guess not for fun, but just to try it. Yeah. And it's funny sometimes I think about it now, and me and Jordan talk, and we're like, "Wow, look how far we've we've come." It's kind of it's kind of funny, but no, never thought that I would be making a living out of the sport of boxing. <laughs> So in the meantime, you turned professional as a fighter in 2009 and carved out an 11-year career to this point that has included multiple world championships uh, in world title fights. You have an amazing 11-1 record, uh, and you've put yourself right at the pinnacle of, uh, of, of the sport. When you won your first title, uh, what was that like, and how did that how did you process that emotionally? That had to be a, a, a remarkable thing. You did it, I think, only two years into your career. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, it's funny because like, to this day, I still don't know. Um, not that I don't appreciate, like I still don't understand the impact I've had in the boxing world and the female world as well as in my family. Like sometimes I still feel like I'm an average girl, like just, just fighting just to make a buck or two. But um, to win the first title, I was like, I still didn't understand. I still didn't understand what that meant to win a world title. Right. And I was just, it was just very, I was happy because, you know, of course you love to win and, you know, it was for a belt. So I was excited. Um, and then when we started making, you know, the name in Puerto Rico, I was like, wait, I mean, I want to be a bigger name in Puerto Rico and I want to continue to open doors for females. So I was like, okay, let's, Let's just see how that's going to work. And I was um, super, super excited. And um, it was just something out of, you know, even where every world title means something. But of course, that one meant it was the start of Amanda, Amanda the Real Deal Serrano. <laughs> yeah. You became, of course, over time, uh, one of the most recognizable names and uh, one of the top uh, boxers. Uh, and I think this is something that we're going to talk about a bunch of different things, but this is one that boxing fans are fixated on, as you well know, the fact that there was a super fight between you and Katie Taylor, who's a couple of divisions above you, was so close to happening. Uh, so I guess there's two, and, and, you know, people on the Twitter universe who, you know, who obsess on these things, uh, talk about it constantly, as you well know, and probably on other social media platforms as well. Uh, and through the sport of boxing. So I wanted to give you a chance to, to, to do two things. Tell us uh, what you think the chances are of that fight still happening. And secondly, I hate to go back in reverse, but I think it's kind of important, maybe from your standpoint, to tell people why exactly you think that kind of went south before, because everybody has different versions of things and everyone has a viewpoint what happened to make that fight kind of kind of end up not happening, and what are the chances in the future? Okay, do so you have um, a couple of minutes for that story? No, no, please feel free to explain it <laughs> at just, your own pace. Okay, I have I have a feeling that this fight, in my my point, I want this fight to happen 100, percent 110, 20 percent. I in my part, it's gonna happen, but it's only gonna happen if. That fight, everyone is saying it's a 50-50 fight. So the numbers should show that it's a 50-50 fight. No, I'm not asking for half of what Katie is, is making. I know Katie Taylor, she's a, a great champion, a great fighter. She has 
the best promoter, like, well, not the best, but she has the um a great promoter that's backing her up as well as she has Ireland. So she has, you know, people backing her up. So I understand she can make whatever she wants to make, but I just, I'm asking for something that I deserve. I think I deserve to make. So, okay, that's that. But leading back to why this whole fight canceled, is it was just, it's a long story. We've, we've signed multiple contracts for this fight and meaning like, like two years back. Um, we've gotten um, actually threats. Actually, the day before the fight with Heather Hardy, I was, um, I was threatened that the fight wouldn't go through if I didn't sign the contract to fight Katie Taylor for $150,000. It was one fifty one twenty. Yeah, $150,000. So it was like, you know, we, we trained so hard to fight Heather Hardy. So it was like, why, why are you doing this now? And their promotion told us that this fight is not really needed. So if you don't sign it with this fight is canceled as well as the Katie Taylor fight. So we wanted the fight with Katie Taylor. So we said we signed it for 150 and then the fight went through and, and whatever. So then uh, we fought, we won, whatever. And then Katie Taylor decided, who we was supposed to fight Erin with Katie Taylor, then she decided to go up to 140 and fight um, in that division and win a title there. So it was like, we thought that that was gonna be our fight the ending of, the, of um, 2019, but that didn't happen. So we decided, so she can stay, she can stay active. We wanna stay active as well. So we was actually training for MMA fight in the, in the beginning of January. So in Puerto Rico, my, my homeland. So that fight fell off. So we, we you know, we begged and we fought with, um, with the Bella and, and Eddie to give us a, a, like a tune-up fight. So we can, you know, because I was, the fight with Heather Hardy was at 126. So we wanted to work our way up at 135, you, you know. get up and wait to fight her, yeah. Yeah, so, so we decided let's get a fight at that 130, 132. So we can, you know, work our way up. And then they, they gave us that fight. Over in Miami, they asked us if we take the fight to Manchester, will you um, will you take more money? And we said, why not? It's the same girl, so they so. You, it was to take the fight over. Yeah. There. And if you take it, they would give you more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if they if, if the fight is in Manchester, would they'll give us more money? And we said yes. It's the same same girl, same. It, it, it didn't really matter. And then of course the pandemic happened and right. the same way everyone on social media found out that the fight was canceled on May 1st was the same way I found out. Mm. And you know, it's not, it's not fair. Never got a phone call from either my promoter, from Eddie Hearn, nobody. So nobody so, contacted you. To nobody, say nobody. At the same way you found out was the same way I found out. Okay. And that's when Jordan, well, of course my manager, he went, Ballistic. I mean, we understood it was a pandemic. Everybody was was hurt in this pandemic, and um, so we kind of it was like okay, but they pushed it back to July. Um, without, without telling us, they pushed it back to July. And once again, when that fight in July happened, I mean, was canceled. Never told us. Never gave us a call. And so it was like, and we never from from May first to July, there was no um contract signed again you know mm -hmm. once if anything is changed in a in a bout you have to re-sign a contract so we never got a, a new contract and it was never signed and and then yeah we trained through this whole time from from um the year in 2019 we was training for you know the 
the fight in January, and then I never left the gym because I wanted. We knew we had Katie Taylor in May, so we was training really hard. I hired a, a nutritionist because I 135 is not my natural weight, so I wanted to maintain good uh, muscle and good good strength for that weight. And I know I was fighting Katie Taylor, so we hired nutritionists and and we was training really hard. I had a, a great camp, and then the fight fell off, and then. It was rescheduled to July, and we found out on social media, and then that fight was um, that fight was uh, was canceled indefinitely. We didn't find out. They said we're not gonna until people are able to go into 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 the fights. So we right. didn't have no idea when the fight was they gonna happen. Fight, and then when they came back the third time, it was for a deduction. Yeah, yeah. So then that fight we didn't know, and then all of a sudden they came back and they said, okay, the fight is in August, but you have to take less money. <laughs> so it was like, I mean, we still fighting the same girl. And, you know, I think from the very beginning, they offered us the 150. And I think that was determined on just giving us that 150. I guess that's what they felt I am worth. I mean, my manager, my promoter, they, I know they, they don't feel that I'm worth that much. I definitely don't feel that I'm worth that much, but we were still willing to fight her for that, for that amount. And um, so Jordan was really, you know, really ticked off of, of, with everybody and everything. So he was like, you know what? We're just not going to take the fight. You know, let's, let's wait um, till we're able to allow people to come in so you guys can make money so they can pay what, what, what we feel that we worth. So that's the whole story with that. And yeah, like I said, I'm not, I'm not willing. I mean, I don't care about the 50, 50 with Katie Taylor. She can get, she deserves whatever she makes. You right. know, I, the, the pot should be at least for um, 40. Yeah. 60, 40. If it's a 50, 50 fight. Yeah. If it's a 50, 50 fight. Why then, are you going to get an 80, 20 cut? Yeah. So if, yeah, that's Jordan in the background. If it's a 50, 50 <laughs> fight, why should we get an 80 20 cut because you know it's a it's a great fight it's going to be a great fight and people are definitely going to tune in for that fight you know and i think i deserve that i am a seven division world champion um, why not she's so your yeah, position is that regardless of what she makes you want to make what you think's appropriate for you exactly exactly okay. i'm not acting for the same amount that she's making and people need to understand that and so um moving forward on this you're 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 still interested in the fight obviously oh yeah definitely and, definitely yeah and uh what are your what's your uh, feelings about the possibilities of making it uh, clearly we're going to be moving back into a period and are starting to move into back into a period where uh it's conceivable some fans could attend and there'd be other uh, streams of money that might make it more feasible uh, are you hopeful that in 2021 the fight can be made oh definitely i think so i mean everybody keeps asking for that fight even on her even on her, on her end people are asking amanda serrano and i believe she wants to fight too because katie taylor you know she's a true champion and she yeah. wants to fight the best and so do i and it's not that we're afraid of each other you know i'm definitely we if we was afraid of each other we wouldn't be in the sport of boxing sure. <laughs> we get punched in the face you know so sometimes uh, like all female uh, fighters, they're just afraid of the amount of money that they're being offered. That's the only fear that they, not fear, but that's the only thing that they, that would um, stop them from, from taking fights. And in this case, that's what it is. You know, I feel like it was treated a little unfair, but you know, I think, I think it, it, it will happen. And there's no doubt that people want to see that fight. So it's, it's going to happen one day.
Absolutely. Well, it was a good, solid explanation, a detailed one that you gave us, which is good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, and I probably I, still I wanted... and I probably still left some details out, but <laughs> no, no, just... you believe me, you you did a good job of explaining it. So I wanted your side of it and your you to be able to tell. So on our last Showtime boxing show, I committed a faux pas. <laughs> <laughs> I for which I, I rightfully apologize. Um, I was talking about uh, champions from Puerto Rico that had come from Puerto Rico, current champions. And this is a period where there have been fewer champions from Puerto Rico than we are, yeah. are, are normally accustomed to seeing. And I mentioned that Wilfredo Mendez was the only champion from Puerto Rico, currently a world champion. This, of course, <laughs> uh, neglected to mention you who were born in Puerto Rico even though you came to the United States at a, at a very young age. And you rightfully pointed out <laughs> that I had neglected you. Uh, and, and I did apologize, which you graciously yes. uh, accepted, which I'm very happy about. Uh, it is interesting, though. I, I'm going to use that as a, as a talking point and a learning point, because I'm probably one of the people that among the... the uh, you know, the, the people doing boxing and announcing boxing who takes an interest in women's boxing and respects greatly the, uh, the women that are, are, are in the sport. So I think it's almost an interesting flashpoint that I would make that error and not think that way. Is that kind of a, um, maybe the problem with that is that's kind of a, a, a truism that we aren't yet at the point where the people covering boxing remember or know to always think about including women boxing in their conversation. Yes, 100%. I feel that we are neglected. Um, but not to say you wasn't the first the first one to do so. I mean, it's happened, it's happened many of times before. Actually, at one point, me and my sister were the only champions and they said there was no champions from Puerto Rico. One right. time a, a man was fighting right. and me and my sister were the only, you know, at times me, there was only females that were holding Puerto Rico up right. and, and, you know, defending them with our titles. But, you know, it happens. So, I mean, I think we're just, um, we're, we're forgotten. I guess when male fights, um, they don't want to mention females. But, you know, in a case like that, like talking about champions, I felt... Yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty shocked that it was coming from you because I know you're a big fan of mine as well, and I'm yes. a big fan of yours. So I was like, I was. Well, just you know, the you only didn't... the only defense I can make is that for some reason I guess I was so fixated on there. And I'll tell you something funny. I think of you as an American boxer, even though I know you're from Puerto Rico, and so it didn't whatever it didn't pop <laughs> into my mind. And, and it was a, a, an error, you know, I, it, it's funny. I, I thought about it afterwards and, uh, and I was, you know, appalled that I made the error. Uh, but, you know, we had, uh, Steve Fard and I talked about it afterwards. We had put all the information down and we, we'd meticulously go through everything and somehow it just slipped through the cracks. So, um, but, you know, it won't happen again. And I will I deliver, and I will deliver on air on January 23rd on the, <laughs> Showtime uh, show, which is the, the, 
the, you know, the, the venue where I mm -hmm. did it, I will deliver a, a, another apology. So, well, I thank you. I thank you. But I just hope, um, friend, I hope you can set an example for other yeah. um, commentators and journalists, you know, please don't continue to allow females to slip through the cracks where we're here right. and, and we're going to continue to make statements. It's a good point. And, and it can be a learning experience, which is, which is what we should always use uh, those kind of things for. Now you mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you're, uh, an MMA fight that you were getting ready to do, and you have uh, trained as an MMA fighter and had some MMA fights, uh, mixed martial arts. And um, we live in an era now where women uh, boxers can make more money in theory or, or mixed martial arts for women is a little more lucrative. Uh, how what how did you determine that you wanted to make sure you were available to mix martial arts and what went into that decision to uh, train for that it, it was definitely had to do with the the money and, and the respect you know I think boxing should take a page out of MMA because in MMA they get paid equally they they're um, everything is done equally at one point UFC, their biggest um, um, athletes were female fighters. They were getting paid more than the men. I mean, it, it would be kind of cool if, if boxing did that because that was, you know, that's my first love and that's what I've been dedicating my life for so many years to do it. But um, yeah, when actually, it's funny because at the time where I had my MMA contract, it was bigger than my boxing contract. <laughs> so that's why it, it kind of persuaded me to get to go to MMA faster. So I was like, why not? You know, it's crazy. I'm multiple world champion in boxing and these people are giving me a lot more than I'm doing in boxing. So that definitely um, pushed me into going to MMA. And I'm definitely gonna continue to, to, do, um, to train and, and fight MMA. Right now I have some goals in boxing, but if an MMA fight comes along, I'm definitely gonna gonna take it. Whatever comes first. <laughs> and so your your theory on this is that you can, because you're of course so established in boxing, you can take those boxing matches, but you can dip your toe in both waters in a way to see which direction it takes you in most for most of your fights. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not not easy because it's two different sports. Two different you know? disciplines. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Switching from one sport to another, it's really hard. You have to have a strong mindset and you have to know when when to when to switch it. So it's definitely not easy. I mean, I mean, I'm putting so much pressure on myself. Yeah. But, you know, in, in female boxing, you have to do what, what you have to do. I mean, wherever um, I'm able to get opportunities and money, I, I think that's what my team is going to prefer. What was the hardest part about uh, uh, getting into the MMA? Obviously, everybody, every boxer, like in the case of Holly Holmes, she had been a kickboxer and that helped yeah. her in the transition. But you have to learn jujitsu, how to defend takedowns. Mm -hmm. You have to learn all those things. What was the hardest part of getting yourself up to speed so you knew you were at least capable of doing an MMA fight, even if you didn't know all the disciplines. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people don't know switching from from boxing to MMA. I'm only allowed to use like 20% of my boxing skills in MMA because it's like you said, there's kicking, there's knees, right. there's elbows. There's eight, eight points of um, striking. I only had two. <laughs> so yeah, right. People think just because I'm a, I'm a great striker and I'm strong that I'm able just to go into MMA. No. Especially in my first fight, I, I learned that um, 
that wasn't true at all. I mean, if you saw my first fight, the third round, the girl took me to the to the ground and nearly killed me, but I survived yeah. and I came back and I decided, I said, this is um, a hard sport and I need to go win and I need to perfect what I'm, what I'm not great at. And it definitely yeah. was um, wrestling and, and, and jujitsu. And I know that I can't just rely on my hands because it's like I said, it's only 20%. Interesting. Yeah. And mo a lot of people don't understand the nuances of that, but, and, and it also speaks to how hard it is to, to be in boxing and MMA, you know, at the same time and try to try yeah. to handle that. What's next for you specifically? What do you think is, for this 2021? What do you think your next bout is going to be? And where do you think, uh, what do you see it? Well, I mean, you know, with this, with everything that's going on and not everything is guaranteed, but I'm definitely, my our goal is to um, unify in my division, 126, the uh, division that I feel most comfortable at. Um, definitely want to become the undisputed champion. So, I mean, we, um, I am the, Jelena's, she's a WBC and WBA. I am, I am her mandatory. Uh, I'm the WBC interim, interim champion. So, I mean, she just had a fight and uh, she got um, stitches and stuff. So we're not sure what that's going to happen. But there's also the IBF champion who she agreed um, in December to fight me, Sarah Mufu. And um, that fight just, just fell off completely. But um, she was willing to fight me then. So we're hoping maybe that fight can can happen early early March uh, in Puerto Rico. So that's why um, NBC, yeah. NBC. That's what my promoter Lou Bella is working on now. So so we'll see. I mean, hopefully we can um, get become undisputed champion, and then maybe that fight with Katie Taylor will be even better. I'll yeah, be a seven work. division world champion, undisputed champion, and she'll be, and she'll be um, undisputed champion, and maybe I'll be worth more this time. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's true, and and you have a good some good challenges in your division, so that would a win would make it uh, would help market uh, that possibility for sure. Um, you're gonna have a fight in Puerto Rico. Do you? Uh, I, I imagine. Uh, fighting down there and getting the support of uh, your home, the place where you were born. And, and you were very much a part of the culture of Puerto Rico when you moved to New York in, in terms of the neighborhood you lived in and, and everything, and you speak Spanish. And uh, so it must be a, a uh, kind of a thrill to be able to go there as a champion and, and kind of bask in their support. No, the best. I mean, I fought there, I believe, four, three to four times. And I would have to say that's the best place to fight because it's honestly is genuine love and support. Yeah. Because here in New York, of course, you have to, as a female, you have to sell, sell tickets and, and it's just that's a headache. But over there, I don't have to sell one ticket. They come no. in just to see me, just to see their their athlete and their champion. So it's amazing. And I just love to um, continue to win and become a champion. And we're hoping that this will be um, a unified um, bout. So that would be even even greater. And to, and to point, I, want, I really want to be undisputed champion because Puerto Rico never um, had an undisputed champion. I think the most we had was Tito Trinidad, that he was uh, two, uh, he was unified two division, I mean, two um, champion. Mm. And so I want to be able to give Puerto Rico the first um, undisputed champion. I didn't, I didn't know that, that Puerto Rico's never had an undisputed champion. So no. that's only unified. Yeah, only unified, which is Tito. He only had two. Yeah, but he didn't have every, every title. Interesting. Um, how much longer do you see yourself, uh, you're 32 years of age, but a young 32 for sure. Uh, how much longer do you, you want to see yourself in combat sports? 
I I said, yeah, I give myself two two more years, three more years max because of 2020. It pushed us back, it, you know. Sure. But definitely, uh, like two three two to three years. I want to be able to enjoy my life at 35. I want to, you know, have my house in Puerto Rico and just sit by on the beach and just enjoy life. <laughs> that's that's nice. So you plan on going going back there? Yeah, I, I definitely want to get a, a home over there. That's great. Well, you are uh, 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 you're part of in women's boxing. What is a, a a situation where there are more good women fighters? You know, as time has gone on, uh, there have been more become more women fighters, who, which is a natural evolution that have been better. Do you see the sport? Uh, do you see more depth in the sport uh, than you, when you let's say started? I definitely see. You can see the difference from when my sister started to when I started yeah, to the right. it's now. It's it's amazing, and I'm excited to see where it's gonna go. I know, like I said, I only have two to three years more uh, max, but when I'm done and retired, it's gonna be an amazing group of women and champions because we have girls coming from the amateurs coming up to the pro rankings. Rankings, so I'm super excited, and and I'm just glad that I can be one of the pioneers and and who opened the doors for these young girls. And that's why you continue want, you want to continue to fight for, for your worth and for, and fight for, you know, what you deserve. So I'm excited. Well, you've played a big role in uh, expanding the horizons of, of women's boxing and, uh, uh, and, and in these next couple of years, I believe you're going to, uh, you're going to play a, a continued and important role in that for sure. Thank and you. I, I hope so. you get that perfect dream house in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. But yeah, I want to <laughs> truly thank you for all your, your support for women's boxing. And with, with, with guys like you, um, definitely the, the sport of women's boxing will rise. And I, and I want to thank you so much. We, and then, and I promise that the Katie Taylor... It's gonna happen. I mean, it's uh, not my uh, part. It's not my end. It's their end. I, I definitely want this fight. You know, it is nothing. I, we're not afraid of each other. It's just you know the whole politics, the boxing sure. and business part. But I definitely want that fight so bad. <laughs> Trust me, that I've been covering boxing for forty years. That would hardly be the first fight that was hard to make. So, <laughs> oh, of course, I know. Many of others have been hard to make. So I'm sure. I'm sure with that will and resolve, the two of you will get together. And uh, and 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 all of us that cover the sport, uh, our resolve should be to do a better job of of covering women's boxing. To be more specific and more knowledgeable uh, about all the women that are that are capable. <laughs> And that that know the sports and that are that are great in the sports. So hey, thank no, you. Thank so you. Much, we appreciate Amanda, that. For taking no, thank you. That. Thank you so much. And like I said, we appreciate you. And just I'm I'm hoping that we can continue to make noise for for women boxing, and you can continue to put um, light into our our way. And um, like. Like maybe if you did mention me that night, maybe people would be like, wait, women fight. <laughs> so that, that, exactly. Lucky, hey, uh, the other thing following. is, yeah, exactly. And the other thing is hopefully I'll get to call one of your fights, which would be fun. Oh, yes, yes. I definitely can't wait for that one. <laughs> Down the road. Hey, thank yes. you very much. Take care. Thank you so much. Have a happy new year. And hopefully it's a great new year for all of us. And I wish you nothing but great health and blessings. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. So that was our discussion with Amanda Serrano. Uh, and as you can see, uh, she is a, just a, a, a really great person to talk to. And she was gracious in accepting my apology for screwing up the fact that 
when I said there was only one champion from Puerto Rico, uh, <laughs> when in reality, of course, she is the one that was born in Puerto Rico. Uh, but uh, she was very gracious in accepting my apology. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, my chat with her. And uh, she's a, a very special person. Al, you've been doing an amazing job uh, focusing on women fighters lately. We're the Title IX of uh, boxing broadcasts. Yeah, we had Christy what, Martin on the show and now Amanda, and uh, we'll try and do a better job uh, of uh, making sure that, uh, you know, that we pay attention to uh, the many and, talented women that are, are boxing in the sport. No, we've been ignoring the men, Al. we got to get back to them. We, they need some help. But uh, they feel, anyway. they feel uh, persecuted, huh? Yeah. So one of the things that's frustrating to me is when finally uh, UFC decided to have women on the cards, Dana White for years didn't. Boxing doesn't get enough credit for really highlighting women early into combat sports and championing their cause. Well, they did. But the problem is that, but let's put it this way, boxing had women, but I don't know if they did a good enough job of pushing the sport. And I think the the MMA ultimately, because mixed martial arts first in uh, strike force where they had it, and then uh, uh, UFC and also now Bellator, they've done a better job, I think, at the end of the day of promoting the women's side of things. Boxing was more of a trailblazer in kind of having it happen. Uh, but boxing has been late to the dance in terms of, Really, that's why so many of the women, you know, that box are switching over to MMA, like Amanda has done a couple MMA fights. Uh, you know, Holly Holm switched over. She was a woman's boxing champion. She made a lot more money at, at uh, uh, in mixed martial arts. So I, I think boxing, though, now in the last few years, it, women's boxing has started to, to gain a better foothold and the, and the powers that be in the sport are being a little more supportive. Yeah, and just on a personal level, I'd never done a women's boxing card until I worked with you on a Friday night fight. And boy, it was right off the bat, you could see how exciting it could be. Yeah, women's boxing, when they're when the women are, are equally, you know, uh, matched, uh, is very exciting because you do see fewer knockouts, mostly, than you see in, in men's boxing. And I don't mind that at all. I like to see sustained action, and you see that often with the women. Okay. Our next question comes from uh, Paul Zanon, and it's a fun question. You boxed as an amateur, Al. If you had turned pro, which undercard would you have liked to be featured on any year, any era? Ah, that's interesting. And Paul, of course, uh, a former guest on this show who wrote the fine book about Johnny Tapia along with Teresa Tapia. So Paul uh, came up with an interesting question. Yeah, I, you know, needless to say, I didn't get very close to being a, a, a professional boxer. You know, I had uh, two or three dozen amateur fights and uh, had, had a few moments of glory, but I certainly was not close to being a, a really good professional. Um, but if I could magically transform myself into somebody that was going to be a pro as opposed to just an amateur. I think the card that I would have wanted to fight on undercard would have been Hagler Hearns, uh, which of course I got to announce. Uh, and uh, ironically, the undercard of Hagler Hearns was not a very scintillating undercard. Uh, it really wasn't action-packed. Uh, and and it, it's funny. So I don't know if I would have contributed to that, but uh, 
But that would be a, a card I think that would have been great to be a part of just because of the historical nature of it and uh, and all the rest of it. Now, luckily, I was able to participate uh, by announcing that fight, and it remains to this day. And we are frequently asked questions on this show about it, and it remains to this day you know, one of the great moments I've had. Uh, um, one of the uh, gentlemen who writes about or who talks about uh, the style of boxing that leads to great moments is Tommy Ankello, who, if you have not checked out his uh, boxing website uh, or YouTube uh, site, uh, World Class Boxing, uh, you want to do that. It's really fascinating. Um, I know most of you watching this are pretty ardent boxing fans, I'm sure, and you like to know how it's done and what some of the uh, techniques in boxing are and uh, how uh, how different champions have utilized those techniques and those strategies. And uh, Tom's uh, YouTube channel really does that. It'll help. It's great for amateur boxers. I wish it had been around in the years we we're talking about back in the Stone Age when I was an amateur boxer. I would have <laughs> loved to have watched a uh, uh, a video channel like this and seen some of the instructional and and technique videos that uh, Tom has, but they're they're not just for people that want to perform in boxing. Uh, you'll find them interesting because they often have historical references to fighters that would use that style and uh, and how they would how they would fight. Well, we uh, we're we're happy that you joined us. Now we do have some good guests coming up. We we can't say exactly when, but. Uh, we're going to be visited by Snoop Dogg, who is a, uh, uh, of course, brilliant rap artist, uh, iconic, but also, as you know, he was on the broadcast of the uh, Roy Jones Jr. Uh, Mike Tyson match. Uh, I would have been working for him, but for the fact that I got uh, COVID-19 and couldn't uh, work on that broadcast. Uh, and he has some big plans in the sport of boxing uh, coming up. He's a huge boxing fan, and he will be visiting with us. And we're going to chat with him about that, as well as uh, music and uh, many other things. He is a raconteur and a man about town. <laughs> and uh, uh, also, Andre Ward is going to be visiting with us uh, in the next few weeks. So we've got some really nice guests on the horizon, and we hope that you will enjoy them. And Trip, I don't know if we're going to get high with Snoop Dogg. That's well, still to be determined. I sent you that email and said, is that how you do an interview? But uh, that, that ship has sailed, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll find out. We'll find out whether we do that interview straight or high. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. But anyway, you know, I'm looking you know, forward to it. He's a, he's a delightful guy, and, uh, and, and I know he has a lot to say. Well, what's funny is you get to a certain point where you're terminally unhip, and I'm going to use the Snoop thing to try to seem a little bit more relative or relevant, I should say, to my nieces and nephews, but there I don't think go. it'll work. Well, just to being on the same uh, podcast as him should do it. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, thanks to Tripp for his fine efforts. Thanks to Amanda Serrano for joining us. Thanks to Chris for uh, getting us on the air here. Uh, and... Uh, and making sure that we stay on the straight and narrow and putting this show together for you. And uh, we will see you next time on Albert Steen Unplugged.